0: So, Pastor asked me to read three verses from Proverbs this morning as a part of his uh, series on friendship. So, uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon becomes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 17.17 17 says, A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. And then Proverbs 26, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Let's go to Lord in prayer. only Father, we pray this morning that we might look at our own hearts and the friendships that are there and uh, ask ourselves how good a friend we are at times. I pray that you be with Pastor as he teaches this morning. Um, Help his words to ring true, to be the words that you'd have him to say through the Holy Spirit. Empower him as he preaches this morning, and help him to be a blessing to each person here today. In thy name I pray. Amen. say all they want. We're just here to play ball. It's just a bunch of crackpots still fighting the Civil War. Well, we'd have won that son of a gun if the cornstalks would have held out. We just ran out of ammunition. Better luck next time, Pee-Wee. Ain't gonna be a next time, Jacky. All we got is right here. Thank you, Jacky. What are you thinking me for? I got family out there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. Hey, number one, you playing
1: ball or socializing?
0: Playing ball,
1: lop.
0: Play ball. To you. Playing ball. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they won't tell us apart.
1: Well, good morning. You can do better. Good morning. All right. Hey, uh, why don't you grab your Bibles? Turn with me to the book of Proverbs, if you will. And uh, as you're turning there to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, we will uh, introduce our sermon series for this morning, Better Together, taking a look at... uh, friendships in the Bible. This morning we'll begin uh, part one of about two or three weeks worth of sermons entitled The Marks of Gospel Friendship, taking a look at some of the uh, marks of what the Bible says is not only good friendship but gospel-centered, God-glorifying friendship. Proverbs chapter uh, 18, I trust that you're there close to it. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that the uh, words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be well-pleasing to you, and that, Lord, our, our hearing of your word, our living out of your word, and our friendships as we think about them in light of your word would be increasingly well, well-pleasing to you, satisfying to us and our friends, and, Lord, that we would recognize that, first and foremost, we need you as our friend. Thank you that you have sent your son Jesus into the world to die for our sins, to live a perfect life of obedience that we could never live and to rise from the dead in power and in glory, offering us new and eternal life so that we could, in part, become your friend again. And when we do, you change us so that we can then become the friends to others that you want us to be. So be well pleased as we turn to this wisdom book, the book of Proverbs. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people together said, Amen. Uh, One author uh, by the name of Willie Morris, writing about his uh, recollection, his memory of the moment that we just saw portrayed in the movie simply entitled 42, he writes this, One example of friendship remains with me as vividly as the moment I first heard of it as a boy. In his first season with the Brooklyn Dodgers, Jackie Robinson, the first black man to play Major League Baseball. "'Faced venom nearly everywhere he traveled. "'Fastballs at his head, spikings on the base paths, "'brutal epithets from opposing dugouts and from the crowds. "'During one game in Boston, "'the taunts and the racial slurs seemed to reach a peak. "'In the midst of this, another Dodger, "'a Southern man by the name of Pee Wee Reese, called time out. "'He walked from his position at shortstop "'towards Robinson at second base.' put his arm around Robinson's shoulder and stood there with him for what seemed like an eternity. The gesture, he writes, spoke more eloquently than words. This man is my friend. You know, it would have been easy, I think, for Pee Wee Reese to not stick with his friendship with Jackie Robinson. Certainly it was difficult and costly and maybe even dangerous for Pee Wee Reese to stand with and to support Jackie Robinson, who had become his friend. But all accounts point to just the opposite, that his constant support of and friendship with Robinson, which brings us to our sermon today, is one of the marks of what I will call gospel friendships. Friendships. So if you've been with us the past couple weeks, we have looked at Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and really the rest of the Bible, sort of a bird's eye view uh, about the theology of friendship. We've looked at where it comes from, our need for it, and how we can have that need met. First, with a relationship with God, and then with relationship with other people. It's sort of been uh, theologically driven, sort of pie in the sky. But this morning, we turn from the theology of friendship to the application of friendship, looking at what characterizes biblical friendship, and thus, in a sense, how we can both become and gain gospel Friends. And really, what better place to turn in the Bible to look at theology in everyday life than the book that hopefully you, uh, is sitting there in your lap—the book of Proverbs? One pastor and, and very well-known author, Tim Keller, in his sermon simply entitled "Friendship," identifies four marks of friendship for us. That's pretty loud. Really. Four marks of friendship. In the book of Proverbs, we will spend the next few weeks taking a look at each of them. Number one is the idea of constancy. We'll look at that this morning, the mark of constancy. Number two, he identifies the mark of counsel. That is, friends give friends good counsel. Number three, that of carefulness. And number four, that of candor. Constancy, counsel, carefulness, and candor. This morning, we're going to look at the mark of constancy in our friendships seen in the book of Proverbs. You could, if you will, see them as a way to evaluate both your own friendship and your friendship with other people, or you could see these marks as sort of building blocks, ways to cultivate and create gospel-centered friendships. So let's begin with the character trait of constancy. Of course, this trait was uh, so evident in the friendship displayed by Pee Wee Reese to Jackie Robinson. You know, as I thought about it this week as I was preparing for our sermon, I think in our culture today, friendships that lasts, friendships that run the course of a lifetime, friends that stick with you through thick and through thin are a rare commodity indeed. Instead of friendships marked with constancy, our culture has friendships that are often viewed as something that's sort of increasingly disposable, as, as, as something that's fleeting, we often view our friends and our friendships as sort of a matter of mere convenience. You know, do, does this person, does this guy, does this gal meet our needs, and do they fit into our busy schedules? I recall, uh, in particular, one young girl, I think I was in first or second grade, and uh, I recall one young, young girl in our class that seemed to have a new best friend every day. Maybe you've seen that before, right? So on Monday, she would say, Reagan is my best friend. Come Tuesday, it was Lisa. And on Wednesday, it was Kelly. And on Thursday, it was Alice. And on Friday, it was who knows who, right? This sort of fleeting idea of friendship. Uh, is something that our culture finds to be very pertinent. But as we turn to the scriptures, and as we look in particular at the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs sort of pushes back against this concept of friendship by speaking about the constancy of a true friend in rather robust terms, telling us that friendship is marked first and foremost by constancy. So we'll be looking at three scriptures today. So if you have your Bibles open, let's begin by looking at Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24. Next we will turn to Proverbs 17 and then to Proverbs 20. So it's all sort of right within uh, the same section of the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24, the NIV reads this way, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends will soon come to ruin. But but there is a, a, a friend, the proverb says. There is a type of friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister. Let's begin with this proverb at the beginning. It begins by saying that unreliable friends, the NIV translates it, one who has unreliable friends, what will be the outcome? What is the inevitable result in the life of a person who has unreliable friends? The proverb says that their life, because of their relationship with these type of friends, will come to a ruin. And the reason is, is because those type of friends, unreliable friends, won't be there for us in a moment of crisis. When hardship and trial and difficulty comes into our lives, those type of friends, unreliable friends, the proverb says, will lead us into a time of ruin because we can't depend upon them when we really need them. This proverb says... They will not be there for us. Now, the Hebrew translation of this first little phrase, one who has unreliable friends, uh, is more akin to what the New American Standard says. So, So the New American Standard says, a man of too many friends. It's interesting. A man of too many friends comes to ruin. Thus, the verse really is emphasizing the fact that having too many so-called parentheses friends can be a bad thing. Because when hard times come, many of these so-called friends will actually turn out to be what type of friends? Fair weather friends, right? In other words, as Bruce Waltke says, he says, the significance of friends is found in their quality, not in their quantity. Get that the significance of our friends is not found in their quali- is found in their quality it 's not found in their quantity in other words it 's not about how many so called friends we have, but the proverb says it 's about the quality of friends that we have, and so I just want to encourage you today, fellow Christian. I think we live in a day in a culture in which having lots and lots of so-called friends is deemed to be a good thing, a desirable thing, right? Let me ask you, how many friends do you have on Facebook, if you're on Facebook? Just think about it. Do you have any idea how many so-called friends you have on Facebook, my guess is you have quite a few, quite a few friends on Facebook. And we want them, of course, to like our posts and we want all of our so-called friends to comment and to like what we post about. If you're on Twitter, you may boast about how many followers you have on Twitter and on social media and all that's good and fine. But friends, our need is really not for countless friends. The scripture says our need is for close friends. So don't feel bad. You may think, I don't have a lot of friends. I know people, they've got friends out the wazoo, and I just have one or two. Man, you know what? You're simply being biblical, right? Because this verse says, a man of too many friends will actually come to ruin. So don't worry about it. You're being biblical. It's not about how many you have. It's about the quality that you have. So the question is not how many friends you have. It's about how good are the friends that you do have. I really like what the Scottish uh, pastor, William Arnott, he comments on this verse and he says this. He he talks about the what I'll call the staying power of true biblical friends. He says this. He says, Many will court you while you have much to give. Isn't that true? Many people will court you while you have much to give. When you need to receive, however, the number of your friends will be diminished, but their quality will be improved. He says, your misfortune, like a blast of wind upon the thrashed corn, will drive away the chaff, but the wheat will remain where it was. How very sweet sometimes is the human friendship that remains when sore adversity has sifted it. Boy, isn't that true? Moving then from the first half of the verse to the last half of the verse, the author continues to make a contrast between having lots of friends who are fair-weather friends with having fewer friends who actually stick with you constantly, right? He says, but... There's a contrast happening here. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Here God tells us through the author of of Proverbs that a friend, a true friend, a faithful friend, a constant friend can be even better than a sibling. That a friend can demonstrate more loyalty, loyalty even than your family members. And he says this in a culture way more family-oriented than ours. So why can a, a friend be better than a sibling? Well, I think he tells us because, he says, they will stick. They will stick closer than a brother, the word here, the NIV translates it to "stick," is often translated maybe in some of your Bibles as "to cleave." It may say there is a there is a friend who cleaves closer to you than a brother. It's 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 a word that refers to a commitment that someone makes to another person because they love them deeply. They are committed to them. And interestingly enough, in the Bible, this word to stick with or to cleave to is often covenant. That is, somebody is saying, I'm going to enter into an agreement with you to do something for you. I'm making a covenant with you. In fact, the same word is used all the way back in Genesis 2.24 of the covenant commitment of marriage. Remember, in Genesis 2.24, a man is to, is to leave his father and mother and is to do what? Cleave, some translations say, cleave to his wife. Same word. See, just as a husband voluntarily and willingly binds himself to his wife, what do we say? What am I going to say when I marry you up here? I'm going to say for better or for what? Worse, right? I'm going to say for richer or for poorer, right? In sickness and in health, right? So this proverb says that that a true friend will be like that to you. That they will stick with you in sickness and in health. That they will be your friend for better or for worse, if you're rich or if you're dirt poor. That is the mark of constancy in friendship. Now we begin to see why this type of friend, uh, the author says, can be better than a brother. See, siblings, especially in that culture, have a certain sense of obligation to help because you're family, especially in that culture. But a friend has no obligation what does a friend do that a sibling doesn't they choose to covenant to stick with you they make that choice right like a husband a friend voluntarily chooses to be your friend to stick with you and to cleave to you through thick and through thin what a gift then a true friend really is so let me ask you a quick question do you have any friends like this Do you have any friends that stick closer to you than a brother? Do you have any friends that, in a sense, whether they have said it or not, they have demonstrated to you by their actions that they have covenanted to be your friend? They have made the commitment to be with you, to stick close to you, no matter the cost, because they love you, they care for you. If that's the case, then friend... You are blessed of God indeed. But there's another question we need to ask ourselves, and it's the other side of the coin. Are we that type of friend to others? Are we like that to our friends? Are you a friend that sticks closer to a brother? Because to have one, you need to become one, right? So having constancy among friends begins with being constant to your friends. I recall uh, a moment of, of difficulty, of trial in my life. Uh, it was my senior year in college. I had uh, dated the same young lady for three years, and she uh, abruptly cut it off. How could she do that to me, right? Such a great guy. Um, so she broke up with me. And, and our that was a joke, right? I don't think I'm a great guy. Um and the, and the thing was, is that our friendships were so bound together. So all of my good friends were her good friends, right? All of the friends that were my guy friends were dating her friends and uh, vice versa. And our, and our web of, of relationships were, were so entwined that, that come my senior year, I found myself uh, very isolated. I found myself thinking... Who am I going to spend time with? You know, and, and I came to realize that some of those so-called friends that I had developed were good friends. They, they were friends that stuck closer to me than a brother because they went out of their way to seek out time with me. They had breakfast with me at, at IHOP, and uh, sometimes they studied late into the night at, at IHOP as well. Um, they wanted to know how I was doing. They called to play football with me on Friday afternoons, and then there were some friends in that group, uh, let's just say they didn't stick closer than a brother, because it cost them something. It was no longer easy for them to be my friend. And so there is a friend. There is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. Are you that type of friend? Well, let's turn to our second proverb of the morning. Turn 1 chapter Backwards to Proverbs chapter 17. 18 to 17, chapter 17, verse 17. Our second proverb on the mark of constancy in friendship comes from Proverbs 17, verse 17. It reads this way. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times, And a brother is born. They were made for a time of adversity. See, unlike the last verse, where there was a contrast between the friendship of a friend and the friendship of a sibling, in this verse, there is a similarity between the friendship of a friend and the friendship of a sibling. What do they have in common? A friend loves at all times, at all times. At what type of time does a true friend love? Well, also a brother is born for a time of, what does it say? Adversity, right? So what do they have in common? Both of them will be there for us during a time of, of adversity. Here we see yet another indication that true biblical friendship is marked by constancy. Notice what the author says at the f- the first half of this little proverb. A friend loves at all times. What do you think he means when he says that a, a true friend loves at all times? What type of times do you think that he means? Well, I think it's fairly obvious. He means that a true friend is there for you um, in all times, right? At all different types of times, at all seasons of life. So, so a true friend is there for you in the good times, and a true friend is there for you in the bad times. They are there for you in the routine times and in the not-so-routine times. What's, what, what this verse shows us is, is something really important. It's that availability is a mark of true friendship. In other words, you know that you have a true friend when it's never a bad time to call them, right? You know that you have a true friend when they are really never off limits to you. You know that you have a true friend when they're really never too busy for you during your time of adversity. See, in this verse, we know what the author has in mind when he says a friend loves at all times. What kind of times? Well, he tells us a brother is born for a time of adversity. He's centering in on the time of adversity. This is key for us to understand. Yes, Friends will be there for us in good times, true. But here he says, you discover your true friends because they're there for you in bad times. This is key for us to understand. The Proverbs say that true friendship, to be a friend to another person, will cost us something, right? To be there for another person in their time of adversity will cost you something. It will cost us time. It will cost us energy. It might cost us money. It might cost us inconvenience. It might cost us even the sharing of some personal resources there. Because a friend loves at all times. Especially the time of adversity. It's like they were born. They were brought into this world. This proverb is saying, for your time of adversity and vice versa. I want to share a quick story of a a, a couple in this church that will remain uh, nameless at this point in time. But there was a time about a year ago when it was the day of adversity for me. So uh, my mom and dad and my entire family, my sister, and my brother-in-law, their nieces and nephews, were all scheduled to make a flight into Midway. And uh, it was the day before that, so I was all getting ready to go, getting the car all situated, our, our big eight-passenger car. And uh, I turn on the car that morning like normal, and it makes a funny sound. Not good. So I try it again, it makes a a funny sound and it's not sounding good and after about 30 seconds um, smoke starts to emanate from the, the under the hood. And I turn it off and I'm like, oh, this is not good. So I call my dad and Shelley calls her dad, sort of our first normal steps. What's going on? This is the noise that it's making. What shall we do? There's smoke. And I'm like, I have to get there uh, with eight seats to pick up my entire family. Uh, So I call the car rental place. They're like, Yeah, we can get a car for you, no problem. Um, but it has to be, you know, before four o'clock today, or, or something like that. So Either we fix it or we rent the car. So, so I call I call up this friend, this couple, and I'm like, "This is what's going on, and what do you think?" And he's like, "I'll be there in five minutes," or something like that. And I'm like, "Well, well you don't have to come. I just want your opinion." No, I'll, I'll be there in five minutes. So he comes, and to make a long sh- story shorter, both uh, he and his wife spend a good chunk of their day, and it was a work day, a good chunk of their day, um, replacing our alternator. So uh, he's like, "It's an alternator." He calls down in Champagne. you go get it, I'm going to take it out. I go to get the thing. By the time I get back, the the alternator's out and we're ready to put it on. And lo and behold, before four o'clock, we have a car that works and I don't have to get a rental car. See, I had a time of adversity. And uh, this proverb says that a friend and a brother is born for those type of times. See, this is how we know who our acquaintances are and who our friends are by how they respond in the day of adversity. Acquaintances will say something like, call me if you need me. And that's good. But true friends will say, I'll be there in five minutes, right? They will be there for you when you're in the hospital. They'll be there for you when you are at the graveside. They will be there on your front porch after you had the fight with your spouse helping you hash through it. They will be there for you. I've said it once and I'll say it again. You can't be a friend to somebody else without offering availability to them. It will cost you something. So the question then is, are we willing to set aside our agendas, our to-do lists, our plans, our goals for the day and allow them to be interrupted? Will we allow ourselves to be the brother, the friend who is born for a time of adversity for somewhere else? See, I, f- I find it, I find it interesting. In our culture today, we have lots of movies and books and songs about other types of relationships. We have elevated romantic relationships as sort of the chief relationship in our culture. Uh, but friendship sort of takes a back seat, in my opinion. So how often do you go to the grocery store and you, you look at the magazine racks and uh, on the cover uh, is something about so-and-so has become friends with somebody else? You don't see that, right? You look at the magazine covers and it's so-and-so is dating so-and-so or somebody is divorcing so-and-so or somebody is cheating on somebody else, right? Friendship just doesn't get a lot of press in our day, but one of the best books, and therefore movies, movies made into a book, that I know, whose main theme is really friendship. Wait for it. It's the Lord of the Rings. Yes, the Lord of the Rings. Now, you may hate the Lord of the Rings, fair enough, but if you were to read the actual books, you will find out that woven throughout the whole narrative is the constancy of friendship. See, one of the keys to Frodo's success is his friends, especially Sam, right? And so there's, in the books... There's this scene and it's early on. And if you recall in, in that first book, the, the Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo has agreed to take this, this awful ring and to take it to Mount Doom and to destroy it. And he wants to go by himself. But his friends gather around him and they say, no, we're not going to let you do that. So I just want to read a bit of Tolkien's words here. Notice, notice what his friends say to him as he's wanting to make that journey alone should be on the screen behind, behind you, I think. If not, follow along. They say, Frodo, you can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid, but we are coming with you. We are following after you like hounds. Isn't that a great description of what friendship is like? I mean, isn't that what the proverb is saying? That that friends are born for a time of adversity. They won't let you face trouble alone. They won't let you go off without a word. So we have to ask again, do our so-called friends do this for us? Are they available to us when we really need them? Are they willing to sacrifice for us in the day of darkness? Or when trouble comes and you really need them, do they just sort of scatter like roaches when the light is turned on? Secondly, are we that type of friend to them, are we willing to be a friend that loves at all times and like Frodo's companions to stick close to them, to be like hounds to them in the day of adversity? Hubbard insightfully closes off our time in this verse by saying, Not fair weather friends, but foul weather friends are the only ones worth having. More importantly, to the point of the proverb, there are Uh, They are the only ones worth being. The text is not about gaining a stalwart friend, he writes. It's about being one. So we've seen Proverbs 18, Proverbs 17. Let's close in Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. So flip ahead just a couple chapters in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Proverbs 26 reads this way. Many claim to have unfailing love, But a faithful person who can find. Many people will claim to have unfailing love, but he says, a faithful person. Oh, those type of people, the proverb says, are hard to find. Notice the contrast. While many people, including maybe us, claim or think or consider ourselves to be loyal to our friends, in reality, the proverb says, when push comes to shove, their or our faithfulness is nowhere to be found. In other words, as we've seen before, the test of one's friendship comes when confronted with a need of one of our friends. This proverb says, while many people think they're good friends, in reality, true and constant friends are relatively few and are difficult to find. A person's friendship, our friendship, won't be judged by our profession of constancy, but by our performance of constancy. Many claim to have unfailing love. Friend, have you found a faithful person? Have you found a faithful friend? If so, you are tremendously blessed. So here's how I want to close our time this morning. I want us to ponder this final phrase of Proverbs 26. A faithful person, a faithful friend, who can find? And I want to ask this question. Who of us, which of us can find a truly perfectly faithful friend? Who of us can be a truly perfect, faithful friend? I think if we were honest, if we did some self-evaluation, we would come to the conclusion that even our most faithful friend has failed us. That even our most stalwart of friends have failed us in some way and that even if we consider ourselves to be uber faithful to our friends, that we aren't always there for them, that we have failed them in some way, shape, or form, right? I think we would inevitably conclude that we're not the faithful friend that this proverb says and that our, our friends aren't perfectly the faithful friend that this proverb speaks of. No one can find a perfectly true, a perfectly faithful, a perfectly right friend. And yet we long for that, don't we? I mean, we long for friends to be that always to us, don't we? That's why Dr. Constable says of this proverb, the greatest example of this proverb's truth must be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He ultimately is the friend who sticks closer to us than a brother. Is he not? He is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He has entered into a covenant relationship with us through his blood. He has lived the perfect life that we never could live. He has died the death that we both deserve. He has uh, been risen from the dead to offer us new and eternal life so that we would not come to ruin. Jesus is the only friend who sticks closer to us than a brother he is ultimately the friend who loves at all times he loved us and he died for us even when we hated him when we were his enemies when we wanted nothing to do with him he was a friend who loved at all times and now that we have come to know him if you have come to know him through faith in jesus does he ever leave us does he ever forsake us no, he is the friend par excellence, who loves at all times. He is the answer, friends, to the question of Proverbs chapter 20. A faithful friend, who can find? Friends, you can find a faithful friend. But it's not going to be somebody sitting in this church, at least not perfectly. And it's not going to be somebody in your class or somebody in your friend of a network of friends there is a friend who loves at all times there is a faithful person who couldn't be found and friends his name is jesus christ let's pray this morning jesus we are grateful that you have created us to know both you and to be known by other people to know and to love our friends and yet in this fallen world we all know that we fall short of these ideals there are times when we have not been faithful and considerate to our friends. There have been times when our friends have failed us. And though we were made for relationship with other people, we know deep down in our hearts that those relationships, those friendships, can't satisfy the need that we have. They can never be the true friend that we so long for and need. But you, Father, in your grace, has sent your very Son God of gods and man of mans, fully human and fully God, to be not only our sacrificial lamb, but to be our friend. And not only to be our friend, but but we could be friends with you through his life and death and resurrection and our faith in him. Thank you that the answer to the question, a faithful person who can find, is your very son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Amen. See you next week, guys.